Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Road Band for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. But we are also pleased to have with us today Earl Erskine. Earl is a former LDS bishop who has come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He has written a book titled Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church, A Cracked Foundation, A Surprising Discovery, and A Former Bishop's Pursuit of Truth. Welcome back to the show, Earl. Good to have you again. Thanks, Bill and Eric. Thanks for having me. Well, we're sure that there are probably a lot of Latter-day Saints out there that are listening to this show. At least we hope so. I hope so. We think they are because occasionally we get some of those little angry emails. (laughs) If they are listening, I would hope they would pay close attention because we want to talk about your story. And in yesterday's program, we gave a basic overview of your life as a Latter-day Saint, the fact that you went on a mission to Denmark. Now you're, you're back from your mission. You've gone through really a tragic childhood. You talked about your father. Even though he held an office of, of deacon in the church, he was not really what you would consider no. as a TBM or a, no, a true no. believing Mormon or anything like that. But your mother became one. Yeah, she was raised in the church, but she just hadn't been totally active, and I guess the fact that she married my father, who was more or less inactive, probably indicated that she was a little less than TBM at the, at that time, but she became that after he passed, and we uh, she served, and she was actually also uh, had muscular dystrophy and was in a wheelchair, and so she, uh, wow, but, but she would go to church every Sunday. We walked all the way to Temple Square four times a year for state conferences back then, and she was a dedicated soul. And she was unfortunately killed in a car accident. She was, yeah, and maybe because of the muscular dystrophy, she was unable to brace herself, and she hit her head. You had a pretty good time on your mission, though you didn't really have a whole lot of baptisms, because Denmark is a pretty (laughs) tough gig. That's that's a tough gig over there. You were explaining in yesterday's show that you're reading the Book of Mormon, but you're not reading a modern edition of the Book of Mormon. You're reading an 1830 edition. This is a facsimile. Right. I'd have to ask this question in case there's just a little bit of irony here. Is this the facsimile that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints published? You know, I think it's actually the reorganized church okay. or the yeah, community they of do Christ, that. Mm-hmm. but I think it's available at the at Deseret Book. Mm-hmm. I think I picked mine up on a trip that I took back east, went to some of the historic sites and saw it there and picked it up. Just never read it. I just decided to one day. And and it's it's kind of awkward reading the 1830 edition because they did not have the chapters and verses. Well, that's down actually that why I wrote uh, read it, because oh, okay. there, there were no... There were no footnotes or uh, other LDS input to it, not that I was looking or not looking for that. I just thought it'd be read more like a novel. I was thinking, what would the early Latter-day Saint be reading when he read this Book of Mormon? This is what he ha- he would have in hand. What did, was he reading? And it sounded very Christian to me. 
know? Well, I think a lot of people would probably argue towards that fact because when Joseph Smith is putting together the Book of Mormon, he does not have a lot of the real strange ideas yeah, that have become that unique came... to Mormonism that he held towards the end of his life. This is still sure. relatively early. This is around yeah. 1830. So yeah. a lot of the stranger doctrines of Mormonism aren't even thought about probably by Joseph Smith at all. That's true. And I do have a little section in the book that talks about the uh, the unique aspects of Mormonism that aren't even in the Book of Mormon. So much of the Mormon doctrine that's taught today is not even included in the Book of Mormon, even though it's supposed to be the most correct book on the earth. So <laughs> a little irony there too, yes. Well, the subtitle of your book is A Cracked Foundation, A Surprising Discovery and a former bishop's pursuit of truth. And in yesterday's show, you mentioned how you eventually became a bishop in Sandy, Utah, yeah. and how you enjoyed that calling that you had. But let's, let's talk about that subtitle of your book, because it sounds like, as we mentioned yesterday and as you've continued today, the Cracked Foundation certainly has something to do with the Book of Mormon. Because we are told by LDS leaders that if the Book of Mormon isn't true, then Joseph Smith can't possibly be a prophet of God, and the LDS Church cannot be right. God's true church. And you say a surprising discovery, but you told us off air that it probably should be discoveries. <laughs> right, plural. Uh, although one discovery certainly will lead to a number of discoveries. Let's talk about some of those discoveries that you came across. The things that hit me first were, were the Book of Mormon, but as I said, that Joseph Smith could change God's words and that uh, it changed the nature of God. So I did more research. And so my other, my basic three problems were the Book of Mormon, the uh, Book of Abraham, and the first vision, especially the 1832 account. When I talk about a cracked foundation, one of the concerns that we all have, as those of us that work with LDS and try to encourage them to learn about the biblical Jesus, is that they have a very shallow foundation. And the more I think about it, as well-read as I felt I was, I was always reading LDS material. I never read anything else other than The Hobbit. But <laughs> I just knew the gospel, and I was comfortable with it. But as I look back now, my, my foundation was very shallow, and I think it's true of all Latter-day Saints. I think their foundation is shallow, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that a lot of people that leave find out that the only true church isn't true, or that they have problems, or have these other questions that come up. They don't have a very firm foundation, and it cracks easily. And that's what these fatal flaws are. Each one of them is something that can can actually crack a foundation. I actually feel that I had to rebuild a foundation with Jesus. When I left the church, I had, I thought I was good to go with Jesus. He's my older brother. He was uh, Jehovah. I mean, he was one of the people that organized matter and created the world, and he paid for my sins in Garden of Gethsemane. And so I felt, felt like I was good to go with him, but I kept being encouraged to read the Bible and to start beginning to trust that. And I started realizing that it was reliable, that there were manuscripts that supported it, and the Dead Sea Scrolls came along. And I don't know how the church can avoid some of these things, but anyway, eventually these, these three things, the Book of Mormon, Book of Abraham, and the First Vision, began cracking my what 
turned out to be a very shallow foundation, but I found a stronger foundation in the Bible and trusting in Jesus and his, his work. So this is not an individual project. It's a group project because you're married with a family. Most of your life is spent in the LDS church. Yeah. And you just, be, you just found this all out less than two decades ago. How well, does your wife, yeah. Carla, take <laughs> the information you're finding? Is she on the same page? Is she doubting with you? Because this is a big issue. People who are listening to us right now are wondering, what about my wife? What about my family? What happened with you? I have to be totally honest. I think if Carla had... Um been more assertive toward the church that I could have caved. I mean, I don't, I think I knew I would have been a hypocrite and I think eventually things would have bubbled, but I kept it to myself for about four or five years. Uh, all this investigation, the, the church historian that I went to, I just kept it to myself, but my family started noticing something was wrong and I was torn up. I, I was not sleeping at night and I kept going over things and I started learning more and more and listening to more and more. And, and eventually, uh, Carla kept asking me, what's wrong? And I'd nothing, everything's fine. And eventually, she broke me down. I thought she was worried I was having an affair or something, <laughs> wow. you know. But um, around Christmas time, the kids up from Phoenix, they, they said, what's, what's the matter with Grandpa? He's just not himself. And I wasn't, I guess. I was pretty, because it is a major, a major thought process and a change of it's taken some oomph to do what I feel like I ended up doing but eventually I came to Carla with a list <laughs> which was too overwhelming for her but I had all these things the oh just so much you know those three things about, that I just mentioned and then kinderhook plates and by then I was into masonry in the temple and just all kinds of stuff anyway it was overwhelming for her and it took her two or three months and she finally started seeing. But the first time I told her about this list, she was actually reading the Book of Mormon. She put it to her chest and said, I know the church is true. I know Joseph Smith's a prophet. Fortunately, praise God, that she uh, was willing to follow. So basically her. what you're telling us is that you do not fit the typical stereotype that many Latter-day Saints have towards former Mormons in that you were looking for a way out. You, and as far as the experience that we've had, you love the church, you're struggling with these facts because you don't want to leave the church. I don't want to leave the church. Exactly. I and, kept the word of wisdom. I paid right. my tithing. I was a temple recommend holder. I wanted the church to be true. I think people need to hear that because many times we hear from faithful Latter-day Saints that those who leave the church are usually those who can't live up to its high standards or they're, they have some kind of moral failure or some secret sin. That's the kind of attitude that guys like Bruce McConkie used to portray. Right, right. It wasn't because there were faults with the history or the doctrine or the church right. itself. There was it's something wrong with you. In the person. And what you're trying to show is the flaws weren't so much with you. The flaws were the things that you were finding that the church, and I should say the evidence, showed that the church was guilty of. One of the first things I did in my journey was to go to buy a red-letter Bible. I read just the words of Jesus. I was amazed at what he said, and I was more amazed at what he didn't say. I realized he was not teaching anything about the gospel of Joseph Smith, nothing that Joseph Smith and the Mormon church provided or the LDS church provided. 
that was very revealing. But I did feel like I had that, again, to build that new foundation on the Bible. What's interesting with you, Earl, is that you wanted to continue a relationship that you felt you had, but this church is not the way. And so you are actively wanting to know what God's Word has to say. And I have to commend you for that, because that's not typical for people who leave the church today. And I guess maybe that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. I feel like I had a unique journey. I did have a little credibility. In fact, the credibility that I felt I'd built up was very surprising when my family and friends <laughs> departed. You know, I lost some very good high school friends. I've lost family over this, and they're not willing to look. And I know that because I wasn't willing to look either until it hit me in the face. And I knew how Jesus felt about hypocrites, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite. We're talking with Earl Erskine. He's the author of the book, Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church. If you'd like to get a copy of this book, and we strongly encourage you to do so, you can get a copy by going to the website mscbc.org, mscbc.org, or as you said yesterday, they can get a copy at amazon.com. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to continue talking with Earl about his journey out of the LDS Church and some of the other discoveries that he came across after he did so. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.